It's Monday, October 7th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. For years, the U.S. has been on the ground in northern Syria, driving out the Islamic State with help from local Kurdish fighters. Now the U.S. says, we're leaving. We'll explain why that could put our allies on the ground at risk. Then, President Trump's best-kept secret is his tax returns. But now, a federal judge is saying they might see the light of day. And finally, an early morning call that's actually worth answering. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by John Hancock. Skim This helps you understand the news today. John Hancock can help you plan for tomorrow. The most complicated story today is about the U.S. withdrawing troops from northern Syria. For four years, the U.S. has fought alongside Kurdish troops there to wipe out the Islamic State. But in a surprise move last night, President Trump ordered U.S. troops to leave, effectively giving the country of Turkey the green light to take part of this Syrian territory for itself. And they aren't happy with the Kurdish forces. In fact, Turkey calls them terrorists. So today we're going to get into what President Trump just ordered what impact it could have on the ground in Syria, and how American politicians and global leaders are reacting. First up, the latest moves on the ground. Before today, the U.S. had around 1,000 troops in northeastern Syria fighting ISIS. They've had help from the Kurdish troops, which are part of the Syrian Democratic Forces. The Kurdish troops have received a lot of support from the U.S. The Kurds are good fighters, and they want to create a secular and democratic government that respects the rights of women. But today, American troops began pulling back from the region, leaving the Kurdish troops there to fend for themselves. Right now, it's not clear if U.S. troops are just moving to a different part of Syria or coming home altogether. But one country that is very happy to watch this unfold is Turkey, a NATO ally of the U.S. Here's why. Even though the Kurds don't have their own state, Turkey's afraid that Kurds controlling their own territory anywhere is a threat to Turkey. Even though those Syrian Kurds are helping defeat the Islamic State, Turkey says, you guys are terrorists too. So you can't have this land, we're taking it for ourselves. The US was standing in the way, so Turkey couldn't do much. But on a phone call yesterday, Trump apparently told Turkey's president, we're leaving, keys are under the mat. So what now? With the U.S. retreating from the border as of this morning, Turkey is getting ready to swoop into Syrian territory, which means it's kind of a Turkish invasion. And America's Kurdish allies who've been left behind are really afraid. Today, a spokesperson for the Syrian Democratic Forces called the U.S. withdrawal a, quote, stab in the back. There's a history here. Since the 1970s, the U.S. has off and on counted on the Kurds to fight for U.S. interests abroad. But in the 80s, when Iraq's government was repeatedly massacring the Kurds, the U.S. looked away. In 2003, Kurds helped fight Iraqi President Saddam Hussein during the U.S. invasion of Iraq. But years later, when the Kurds wanted to create an independent Kurdish state in Iraq, the U.S. turned their backs on them. Some say this latest move is the U.S. once again leaving the Kurds behind. The Kurds also say they may not be able to keep the Islamic State at bay if they've also got to fight Turkey now, too. Kurdish troops guard a bunch of prisons holding captured Islamic State terrorists. But if they have to reroute resources to fight Turkey, those terrorists could be let loose. Turkey's government wants people to believe they're fighting against Kurdish terrorists, not sympathetic U.S. allies. 
Turkey's president has said the goal in northern Syria isn't just to attack these Kurdish terrorists, but to create a safe zone for Syrian refugees who've been holed up in Turkey, although his plan doesn't have much support. Meanwhile, President Trump defended his change of heart today by citing his campaign pledge to end foreign wars. He also said the Kurds had been paid plenty and that it was time for the U.S. to leave Syria for someone else to figure out. So how are people reacting to this move? Well, not great. The Pentagon reportedly didn't see the order to withdraw coming. And given the deep respect within the U.S. military for the Kurds, Trump could get pushback on this from the military. He's also getting serious political heat, including from some of his fiercest allies. His former U.N. ambassador, Nikki Haley, tweeted that the Kurds were, quote, instrumental in our successful fight against ISIS in Syria, and that leaving them to die is a big mistake. South Carolina Republican Senator Lindsey Graham called into Fox News and said Trump's impulsive decision had undone all the recent gains in the fight against the Islamic State. If I'm an ISIS fighter, I've got a second lease on life. So to those who think ISIS has been defeated, you will soon see. Trump's now responded to the criticism by saying that if Turkey does anything he considers off-limits, he'd, quote, destroy and obliterate the economy of Turkey. Though he didn't say what exactly was off-limits. Meanwhile, both Republican and Democratic senators are putting a finer point on things, saying if Turkey invades this part of northern Syria, the Senate will consider sanctioning Turkey or move to suspend their NATO membership. So if either Trump or Turkey's president thought they could just make a quick deal about the future of Syria on their own, Congress is saying not so fast. So what's the skim? Today's controversy over the U.S. withdrawing from northern Syria is a pretty vivid reminder of just how hard it is to end America's foreign wars. Politicians and the American public say they don't want troops in Syria forever, but the consequences of a withdrawal can have ripple effects on other people and countries. Pulling out of Syria could be a win for Trump at the ballot box. But if terror groups like the Islamic State return in the U.S.'s absence, the U.S. could decide to go back. And it's not clear that the Kurdish troops who've helped us out before will be willing to lend a helping hand the next time around. Mondays are hard, and President Trump's started off with a pretty big loss. A federal judge says after years of the president trying to keep them locked in the file cabinet, he'll have to hand over his tax returns to Manhattan's district attorney. So what's going on? You probably remember that elected Democrats have been trying to get their hands on Trump's tax returns since the 2016 election. You see, almost every president and presidential nominee since Richard Nixon has released at least one year of their tax returns to show the public how much money they had and where it was coming from. But Trump didn't do that. And there have been a lot of questions from members of Congress and attorneys general about things like whether Trump's businesses accepted money from a foreign power, which wouldn't be cool, or whether he lied about the value of his properties to get a loan from a bank, also not cool. But Manhattan's district attorney, Cyrus Vance, has been looking into something else. Vance wants to know more about how Trump reimbursed his former personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, when Cohen paid the porn actress Stormy Daniels to keep her alleged affair with Trump quiet before the 2016 election. Yep, haven't heard about that in a while. Basically, Vance wants to know whether Trump 
broke New York state laws by doing that. Trump wouldn't hand over his tax returns. So Vance's office subpoenaed Trump's accounting firm, Mazars USA, asking for the returns. And that led to some legal drama. Trump sued. His personal lawyers argued that sitting presidents are immune from criminal inquiries while in office, and that releasing Trump's tax returns would lead to, quote, irreparable harm. But today, a federal judge disagreed. In fact, he said that Trump's claim of immunity was, quote, extraordinary. He said it would, quote, constitute an overreach of executive power. So Trump will have to give Vance eight years worth of returns. Trump's appealing the decision, and he's been able to successfully push back on at least one other effort to get a hold of his tax returns. That would be a California state law requiring presidential candidates to release their tax returns if they want to appear on the primary ballot. Pretty clear swipe at Trump. A federal judge in California just temporarily blocked that law from taking effect. But judges in two other cases have ruled against similar requests by Trump to shield his tax returns. Those cases are tied up in appeals right now. But it means that for Trump, the battle over his tax returns is hitting closer and closer to home. You're busy at work, you're busy at home, and you're busy trying to keep up with the world. At Skim This, we help you with that last part. John Hancock can help you with everything else. Because life can get so busy, you forget to plan for all the things you want in the future. Think buying a home or paying off that mortgage, starting a family, and investing for retirement. Seem like a lot? We get it. So does John Hancock. They can help you figure out your financial goals and stick to them. You can even talk to a financial advisor. So take a break and invest some time in future you. They'll thank you for it. Go to theskim.com forward slash future to learn more. Today, we're looking at how millennials think and feel about their money situations. So millennials, meaning people born between the early 80s and late 90s, are now the largest living generation in the U.S. And when it comes to money matters, one of the things this generation often gets blamed for is not spending enough. Some experts point to the Great Recession. When the stock market crashed in 2008, a lot of millennials were just getting around to graduating and planning out their lives. And many became more cautious compared to older generations like baby boomers when it comes to investing in the stock market. One study said that in 2016, only 10% of people under the age of 35 actually held stocks. That's one of the insights from the most recent Survey of Consumer Finances, which is a report put out every three years by the Federal Reserve. Sounds dry, but it actually gives great insight into how people within various age groups are investing their money. The next survey is underway right now, and the final report will come out next year. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from the Nobel Prize in Medicine. This morning, three scientists got the best wake-up call you could ask for, courtesy of the Nobel Committee. Here's William Kalin speaking with the Nobel Foundation after he found out. Oh, I was absolutely <laughs> asleep, and I'm still in a state of shock, so I hope I'll speak coherently. One committee member called the scientist's work a, quote, textbook discovery, the kind of thing kids will be learning about in science class one day. And now, it's getting a Nobel which totally seems worth the early wake-up call on a Monday morning. And that's all for Skim This. 
Thanks again for listening and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to add the skim to your morning routine, you can sign up for our free newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox.